0: Hey Bowlers, you're listening to Bowl After Bowl, episode 21 on Friday, January 23rd, 2015.
1: I'm smoking bowl after bowl. And I smoke! Bowl after bowl after bowl after bowl after bowl after bowl. After and I smoke. Welcome back, Bowlers. I'm Spencer Pearson.
0: And this is Lori and Rose. Uh, we missed a week. We missed you guys. We hope you missed us.
1: Yeah. But uh, we're back right now. Kind of, we, we you know we've been so busy and we've been under a pile of just work and uh, grief and all kinds of stuff. So you know that uh, we we didn't get a chance to sit down all last week. But we forced ourselves today to sit down and record this. Yeah.
0: Yeah, cause uh, yeah, we're doing work every day to hopefully legalize cannabis in 2016, and uh, we expect that 2015 will be like this, and we will just constantly be on the run doing this work. Uh, which is awesome, but we need to keep you guys informed on what's going on. And Absolutely. How and you can get involved.
1: It's kind of crazy how many of these stories pile up, you know, because I've been uh, sort of involved with cannabis activism but heavily for since, since 2009, and, uh, you know, never has there been this much news every day about it. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. crazy.
0: Yeah, it is really crazy. Uh, so last week we took an absolute feels trip. Um, our beloved Aussie doodle Murphy was hit by a car on Providence road. Yeah. And that really threw off everything in our life. Like everything. We dropped everything for the day, you know, uh, do, let's just start from the beginning, I guess on this one. Yeah. Go for it. Uh, so it was, I started working at grassroots smoke shop. So I'm starting to get into this routine of going to work and whatever. And it was my first day off So, I decided I was going to sleep in. Now, normally, I wake up in the morning, I take the dogs out, and I sit on the step, and I watch them play for about 15 minutes, and then I go inside. Uh, Sometimes, I'll step inside and make coffee and whatever, but um, I'm always, like, watching them out the kitchen window. And our backyard doesn't have a fence, so Murphy and Lucy, our two dogs, are just kind of running around, um, you know, and they're usually really good, but... I didn't get out of bed this morning because I wanted to sleep in. And so Spencer took it upon himself to let them out. and.
1: Uh, right. Then I let the puppies out because they're still uh, about seven weeks old now. Yeah. And we have three you know, three of the puppies left here. So uh, I let them out the door real quick and then get the puppies out and start feeding and taking care of the puppies. You can hear him talking in the background probably this whole time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Uh, time goes by, and Lucy comes back just, like, baying, just, like, howling at the back door. And uh, we run out, and Murphy's not there.
0: Yeah, but Spencer brought all the puppies in, um, and that's kind of what, like, distracted us, our attention away, you know, really. Um, And so Murphy wasn't there, so we started looking for Murphy. My first thought was that someone, like, took him out of our yard, because Murphy will, like, come up to anyone that, you know, says, hey, 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 come here, you know? Murphy loves everyone, so I was really worried someone stole him, but it was, you know, we found out it was way worse than that. uh So, M- Spencer and Lucy started walking around the neighborhood, uh going up and down every street, and I got in my car and started driving around the neighborhood and uh looking behind houses, because Murphy does, has before, you know chased cats and such around our neighborhood True. we have a really bad stray cat problem
1: the only real time that we've had to look for him though was on 4th of july he <laughs> got scared of the fireworks and he kind of wandered off you know because he was afraid he was running i, for I cover. was at work and he didn't <laughs> oh. know where i was and,
0: and we had friends over that he w- doesn't really know that well right. that were shooting off bottle rockets and stuff and yeah he got really scared and ran to the hickman high school <laughs>
1: but it's just not like him to disappear you know so when no, we couldn't right. find him for you know looking around the neighbor for half hour we were just we didn't know what to do next yeah
0: so i call i decided to call animal control and see what was up and uh the woman answered and i said you know have you found a small white dog and she was like oh white small dog you said <laughs> yeah he just got hit by a car And I was like, what? And I like, I'm I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking at his eyes are just wide. And I grab his arm and I said, he got hit by a car. And Spencer just starts screaming, where is he? Where is he? And I'm on the phone and so then I'm trying to like calmly to ask the woman where he is. And I'm shaking at this point because I'm picturing Murphy's only 12 pounds. He's a mini Aussie doodle. So I figure he's demolished. And she, well,
1: I, I lost my shit for sure
0: this woman's like trying to pull up a file on her computer you know like she's like hold on you know give me a minute uh someone took him but they wouldn't let us take him they wouldn't let us take him and so someone's got your dog i was like what are you talking about someone's got my dog and she's like here's a number there's this woman she's got your dog so i called i hang up with this woman i called the next woman and uh her name's margaret and She's like, I work at CMCA on Providence Road. Uh, he's in my office. Come see me. So we run over there. It's only a block diagonal from our house. Yeah. And uh, we run upstairs, and he's laying in the corner of her office just, like, doesn't even react when we walked in, walk in. And she's like, oh, I think he'll be fine. You know? I'm like, ah, oh, he does not look fine. Yeah, she uh, was
1: trying to be, like, positive about it, and it was just, like, he was crushed, you know? like Yeah. And Maybe it's hard to tell if you don't know him, you know, but
0: right, yeah, he just, I mean, yeah, it was he was like lifeless, and Spencer mm-hmm. flipped up his gums and his gums are like pale white, yellowish tint. Uh, it was and, a bad deal, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you picked him up and he just looks at me and he goes, all of those bones are broken, holding like under his arms, and so uh, Spencer remind me of like a little boy and it was just like really hard and we were both crying and then we had to find a place to bring him and the university animal hospital screwed us the last time we brought Murphy so we didn't want to go back there right. um and we uh th- we ended up taking him to the Columbia Pet Hospital on Nebraska Avenue uh across from AMF yeah right <laughs> by the,
1: right by the bowling alley which is like nice you know?
0: yeah and um they took him in immediately, put him on oxygen, hooked him up to morphine, um, gave him, like, an IV drip, and uh, the vet, like, pulled us into this little room with a box of tissues, and I was like, oh, my goodness, this is the room where they take you when your animal has died, isn't it? And she's just like, yeah, it's, uh, yeah he's not in very good condition. Uh, We'd like to start with x-rays, um, and, you know, she's trying to be real about it, realistic, and, uh, it wasn't seeming very good.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, she just kind of gave us the wait and see thing, but she really wasn't optimistic at the very beginning, uh, during that first talk. And then we just had to sit there and kind of agonize. And,
0: yeah. In the uh, waiting room while people came in and out with their furry friends,
1: but she got him stable and got him, you know, rehydrated and stuff. And the color came back into his, in his lungs. And He stayed there overnight. She took him home uh, with her instead of uh, just leaving him at the hospital overnight, which we really appreciated. Lori and I really appreciated that. Um, And, yeah, she got him eaten again. He ate some chicken, so we had to feed him, like, chicken and rice for a while because he wouldn't touch (laughs) the kibble. But... uh, you know, he's he's in way better shape now. He's walking around. He's
0: Well, he was walking around the day after when we went back to the animal hospital yeah, to pick him up.
1: He, it was pretty incredible. She
0: said he had peed fine. He was walking around fine. He had eaten that chicken. Um, and, you know, then after he got home, he took it easy like the first day. But the second day home, he just started playing and wanting to run around and being crazy again. Yeah, you know, so. wanting
1: to jump off the top stair when he <laughs> runs outside and all that kind of thing. Jumping up and down off the bed himself.
0: Yeah, so it's been, uh, you know, we've been having to baby him a little bit and keep him down.
1: Right. We just basically have to limit his activity because uh, he can hurt himself again really easy, and he doesn't realize that.
0: Yeah. But man, uh, bad juju on Providence Road this week after that incident. uh, Yeah, Murphy
1: started a trend kind of of (laughs) getting hit by cars on Providence Road.
0: Yeah. There a pedestrian hit on January 22nd who was injured but is fine. And then another pedestrian was hit on uh, January 23rd, and she was a university student from China, um, and she was killed. So, you know, people fly on Providence Road, and yeah. you really got to be careful. You guys are
1: going to take it easy on Providence Road. I know it's frustrating. The students are back. Traffic is bullshit, but, you know, these are people's lives out there, man. Like... You know, this girl, this poor girl died this week. Like, we just watch out for pedestrians and watch out for, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to kill you to get to a place 20 seconds later by stopping for a pedestrian, you know. Or an animal. Or an animal <laughs> or anything in the road, you know.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: we did get our day brightened uh, the day after Murphy, though. Uh, I was actually fortunate enough to win high, uh, cannabis cup tickets from High Times. In yeah. a Twitter contest that Lorian found.
0: Yeah, it was really, that was awesome.
1: So tell me how you found that because I never actually still heard about well, where you first saw it.
0: Well, you know, I am on Twitter pretty often <laughs> where I do most of my slacktivism in between like the real stuff that I'm doing. Um, and I follow High Times on there and they had tweeted out hey, we're doing a giveaway. Uh, send us a 140 character reason why uh, you deserve socal cannabis cup tickets using the hashtag and tag high times yeah so i tweeted them and then yeah spencer tweeted them and then the murphy thing happened the day after all of that so i (coughs) actually forgotten about it the contest and stuff to be honest because i got so wrapped up in the murphy thing and then the next day spencer was like hey I got a message from high times. They, I think that I, or
1: yeah, they at reply me. Right. And I get this uh, message. I get this reply from high times. It just says, Hey, can you follow us so we can DM you? And my first reaction is, wait, am I not following high times on Twitter? What is the deal? I, (laughs) I don't know how that happened because I was, you know, I was following them first and I don't know how they got unfollowed, but I follow them and they like, they just ask me these questions. They don't really tell me anything. They're saying, can you confirm your, uh, age and the state of residence. And then, uh, I was like, yeah, that's, this is me, you know, Missouri. And, uh, then they say, can you, can you make it to the, to San Bernardino for the cannabis cup, for the SoCal cannabis cup? And I'm like, oh yeah, I could definitely do that. And they told me that I won. You know, it was, it was just like I was trying not to keep my hopes up, you know. Yeah. Uh, as to why they'd keep contacting me. Maybe it was like a press inquiry or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, well, they, they gave us passes. So um, we're going to be covering that uh, for bull after bull. We probably won't be able to take all these equipment out here because we have a, kind of a pain in the ass setup right now uh, until Adam Curry markets his little miracle machine Um, you know we're gonna have to deal with this right now Um, and it travels okay on the road but I don't really feel like taking it on an airplane I think that would be a pain in the ass so uh, we'll probably have a little mobile setup and get some clips and some interviews out there and record a few things maybe record in the hotel uh, each night you know um, you know our reactions that night and our thoughts that we can play later but uh, that should be very interesting, and we'll be keeping you guys updated, and uh, we'll have all the, all the skinny on the SoCal Cannabis Cup for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, um, last week, before the Murphy incident, uh, Spencer and I went to Kansas City uh, for a woman, women in cannabis event that Amber Langston threw, which we had previewed in the last episode. Um, that event went really, really well. And there is a very high turnout rate. Um, there is a uh, when we started with a mixer, which I thought was really effective and got people talking. Sorry, I was actually looking for mine. I had had it right next to my computer, but it got lost somewhere. Um, but it had like, all these boxes on it. And you had to go around and talk to people that fit the descriptions in the boxes and get them to sign the box that you know fit with them most. So there was one that was like, enjoys going commando, which I tended to sign on People's Mixer. And then uh, there was one that was like, is afraid of snakes and um, grows herbs, you know? Oh, I found it. Doesn't drink coffee, owns leg warmers, wears high heels, doesn't wear makeup. You know, just things to get people talking, um, which is really cool. Uh, Knows how to do a sun salutation. I need to brush up on my sun salutation. Um, But anyway, so, and we had dinner, and we were able to talk about, you know, the roles that women play in the cannabis movement, and uh, a lot of people, you know, ended up talking about how they got involved, you know, whether it was an arrest in the family or, uh, you know, a death or, you know, medical needs. Um, so it was really effective and Amber's going to be throwing another women in cannabis event on February 4th at Cafe Berlin in Columbia then if you miss the Kansas City event and live near Kansas City she's doing it again on February 5th um, St. Louis is to be announced but she's working on finding a date for that and um, she'll be de- holding it again in Springfield on March 24th uh, Spence what were your reactions from the Women in Cannabis event in Kansas City.
1: Well, I mean, I went there kind I don't know, kind of in a, I didn't know what to expect, you know what I mean? Uh, Same. It was sort of, you know, it's women and cannabis, and they didn't like, you know, they encouraged women to attend, and it was, the focus was women, but they did not like disinclude the men from attending, you know, but there was, there was maybe six of us, you know, it was like, uh, me, even, uh, you know, uh, Daryl. Bertrand mm-hmm. like a few of the guys who are like who's you know significant others are involved or, or different things like that you know or, you know even's even's at a lot of events so um, it was just kind of like that kind of a core of men and it's I've never been outnumbered in that gender sense at event at an event especially any kind of political event not just the weed events but any of them you know right so that was kind of powerful to me just to experience that uh, that feeling of whoa you know there's only five other dudes you know looking around the room like uh it's just interesting you know to have the tables turned and then the discussion what fascinated about me uh, what fascinated me about the discussion that uh the women had was women have a different way I think of uh expressing themselves and their ideas to each other you know and having a group discussion uh whereas I feel like with men it's sort of a kind of like a sword fight thing for dominance and for uh who's talking and for who to listen to. Like, I thought it was crazy how well the women, uh, kind of meshed together and, uh, fed off of one another's energy, you know, and like, uh, shushed each other when one needed to hear, one person needed to be heard and all these different things, you know, they worked collaboratively together in a way that worked really well. I thought, Uh, it seemed like everybody got to have their say, needed their say and all that kind of thing, you know?
0: Yep, And at one point, uh, we used a talking stick, I remember. Yeah. Um, Saj Kaya was there, and she brought a stick that was passed around to the, you know, the person who was talking to get all the attention, because there was a lot of energy in the room, and yeah. people wanted to talk. Women wanted to talk. They wanted their voice to finally be heard, I think, you know, um, and it, but it was really awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I mean,
1: just as far as uh, energy and enthusiasm, it's probably one of the, probably the single most energetic and enthusiastic event i've ever you know attended personally for for cannabis legalization just i can't really understate the energy that was there you know
0: amber shared this story about when she was first getting involved with cannabis activism she was at an event and uh this old hippie next to her started like beating the stick on the ground saying more women more women and then everyone in the crowd started joining in while you know right. amber stood there
1: well the the chap, you know, the movement has always been painfully aware that we struggle in polling with women. You know, our message is uh, not resonating with women just in the poll numbers, and that's what it shows. And so that is why uh, Moms for Marijuana and uh, the Normal Women Alliance and those different things formed in the first place was because uh, you know we just took a look at the poll numbers and said we're, you know, our message isn't getting to women. And that's a problem, you know, we need to reach out to women. And um, I think it's really valuable, you know, I was kind of leery of it being sort of a gender divisive thing, but it's not. It's, uh, it's, it's how, you know, right now we're being gender divisive in our messaging somehow, mm-hmm. like uh, why is our message not getting to women effectively? And uh, the response to reach out directly is a really great response, and I think it's, you know, it's working. You can see it uh, working over time. To sort of uh, get into the, um, get get to the moms, you know, who are really worried and want their kids to grow up safe and protected, you know, and uh, just letting them know, hey, prohibition is actually making your kid more likely to try, you know, crazy street drugs because, um, because of their just availability and the, you know, the drug dealers don't card, the drug dealers don't care who you are, they'll sell it to anyone. Mm-hmm. So right. the the prohibition model and the black market model just are not at all safer for your children. You know, it's it's much more dangerous to have this this setup than the alternative than a legal market.
0: Right, and this is a conversation we need to be having face to face with anyone and everyone. Honestly, uh, you know, people don't like talking about cannabis because they think it's taboo but it's not and it needs to be spoken about so that we can resolve the issues that have formed because of our unwillingness to talk about it our ignorance um and yeah i thought that that was one of the best parts about the women in cannabis event was that it was just a giant conversation it was just people chiming in with their stories and their personal anecdotes and experience and what's worked for them talking to strangers about this and what hasn't um
1: for sure so we'll have uh information and links to those upcoming women in cannabis events. And, uh, if you're a woman in cannabis, come out and, uh, get involved and, uh, check out what's going on in the movement. Uh, yeah we've been doing a lot of different events for Midmo normal. Uh, and there's a number of things coming up. We just had a meeting about our website. So we're working on that. It's still definitely under construction there, but, uh, working on getting some content to go put up on the website and, um, you know, we kind of got the hashed out of what the skeleton will look like. So uh, look for that in the next month to uh, really start to pick up our website. There's uh, midmonormal.org.
0: What are some of our upcoming events for Midmo?
1: Well, we just got done tabling. Uh, you know, you and I tabled that oh, right, Rose right. Music Hall event um, where the Austin Cole band and others played reggae fest. That was a really cool show. Um
0: yeah, we had a lot of people sign up for the Midmo Normal newsletter and yeah. the Show Me Cannabis newsletter at that event, which is yeah. really awesome.
1: And we also had a donation jar, which we raised $40 from. So oh, yeah. that was cool.
0: Change for change. Change
1: for change. <laughs> yeah, it was very effective. So uh, we plan to do that a lot more. In fact, tonight at Rose Music Hall uh, is yet another show that's uh, Midmo and we'll be tabling at. Uh, our president and our secretary will be out there. So uh, go say hi to Josh and Jackie at the Rose Music Hall tonight. Um Lorian and I are will actually be at uh Lubowski Fest. Uh the Bruin View the, at the, the Br- Blue Note. Yes. The <laughs> uh, big Lebowski Bruin View. And uh we'll probably have to leave there a little early because we're going back to Kansas City tonight. But um
0: For a puppy reunion. While we're there,
1: uh if you're interested in signing up for midmo normal, getting more involved, come talk to us. We'll have uh, an email list and uh we'll talk to you about uh, different ways to get involved. Then uh we also have been meeting regularly with folks in Jeff City. Uh, so, you know, as mid-Missouri normal, we wanted to be more uh, than just a Columbia chapter. We wanted to be, you know, a regional chapter. We wanted to actually get out of Columbia on occasion and go do uh, outreach to, you know, different communities around here, uh, rural communities. It's, it's probably, it, you know, it's really hard for kids in rural communities who are uh, cannabis users, whether it be patients or just culturally, uh it's tough you know because you have no allies and you uh you know often the penalties are much harsher and often it's a lot harder to you know get away with certain things uh uh, in those environments so we kind of want to do some outreach and kind of show support to those folks who might not be able to make it to columbia all the time we also definitely want to hit jeff city up because that's where the state capital is you know that's where the legislatures are that's the legislators that we need to talk to and uh, win over their minds as well and get their support uh, in the the couple years coming forward before uh, legalization of Missouri. Um, So I don't have a calendar in front of me of some other upcoming events, but I do know off the top of my head that on March 2nd, we're going to have a scotch tasting, uh, and that benefit will be a dual benefit to both uh, Show Me Canvas and Midmo Normal. Uh, there'll be $25 a ticket or 40 for two, 40 for a couple, uh, and that includes uh, scotch tasting of six different uh, scotches, and then we'll also be hosting a poker tournament at the same time. There will be an auction in between, um, you know, and of course dinner is always available, and the cigars uh, are always available at the Nostalgia Shop, and uh, we'll be in the cigar lounge, so it'll be a cool experience, you know, and it'll be a nice fancy little dinner night, so uh, be sure to mark the calendar there, March second.
0: Um, on February second, we're doing a is that the Shakespeare's fundraiser? Yes, yes, a, a fundraiser at Shakespeare's where if you um tell them that you want to support Midmo Normal, I think fifteen percent of <clears throat> all the money spent on you know your pizza will go to Midmo Normal. Right.
1: So we'll have flyers to hand out for that very shortly, and you'll probably see us around town handing out flyers. Uh, when you go to Shakespeare's on February 2nd, Groundhog Day, uh, and you buy pizza, you just hand them the flyer, and then we get 15% of the sales all day for people who do that. So we would really appreciate if you ate at Shakespeare's there as well with one of our flyers. Um,
0: And on February 16th, uh, Mid-Missouri Normal will hold its first official public meeting at the Boone County Library. Um, I think it's going to, I'm not sure what room it's in, but... It shouldn't be too hard to find us.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we'll definitely have signs on the door and uh, folks in the lobby that lead you to the right way.
0: So please come out to that and bring friends and anyone that's interested in seeing cannabis legalized in 2016 or if you just want to learn about it. Absolutely. Just come on out and get to meet some of the people that are involved.
1: We'll have a couple of links uh, there in the notes for the Twitter and the Facebook. But if you just uh, really want to get involved and, um, you know, you don't, really have time to go to any of the things that we've mentioned go ahead and give us a like on facebook give us a follow on twitter and we'll keep you updated as things come up uh what's coming up and when we need your support because uh, there's plenty of stuff to do and uh you know the 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 trick is just to find out where it is and uh show up to it but you know there's there's events going on uh just about every day somewhere in the state there's going to be an event definitely every week uh for the next couple years so just uh, keep your eyes on your inboxes and on those Twitters and Facebook pages, and we'll keep you informed of what's going on.
0: And uh, so Director of Research Aaron Mallon for Show Me Cannabis has filed a complaint against uh, the St. Louis County Drug Task Force because they have ignored his Sunshine requests for board, uh, their meetings that they hold for their board of directors, right? Uh, which is public information. And they have no reason to withhold this information from anyone. But they've been, you know, from my experience as a journalist and from all the research that Aaron has been documenting on the Show Me Cannabis website, they like to charge outrageous fees for, you know, uh, the hours that it takes them to copy and print things. And um, a lot of times, if you don't use the exact terminology of, like, a form that you're looking for, they'll just say, oh, that doesn't exist, you know, because you... Like one of the problems he ran into with St. Louis was they, uh, and this is all on the Show Me Cannabis website and these articles he's been writing for Reason as well. um, They denied their existence. They flat out denied their existence. They said, "Oh, we don't have a drug task force by the name St. Louis County Drug Task Force." And then Aaron gave them like five other potential names for it, and they still, you know, tried to pretend like they didn't exist. So. Yeah, we need some accountability for our uh, drug task forces in Missouri.
1: The whole point of the Sunshine Law being enacted was to give us access to public records and, you know, to have public uh, governments be subject to to oversight and to people looking out and saying, you know, are these people operating under the law? It's that old age old question of who watches the watchman, you know, Mm -hmm. and ultimately it should be the people always in a democratic society. Ideally, it is. But. Uh, when these drug task forces try to skirt the law and try to hide from complying with just a simple sunshine request, uh, you know, it it begs the question, what are they hiding? What else are they doing? You know, why, uh, why would it be that big of a deal to just comply with a simple law? You know, is there something deeper going on? So these are the questions that are raised by this sort of action and by, you know, hiding and being shady and denying your own existence. Uh, And it's, it's, It's good that Show Me Cannabis and that Aaron uh, are working towards, you know, keeping these guys accountable and keeping the public informed of what's going on, you know, because uh, really I don't even know specifically about all these different drug task forces across the state. You know, I mean, I've heard of them, uh, you know, the repercussions of them. I've known people who have gotten busted by these task forces, you know, but uh, I never really knew. Uh, how it was laid out or set up. And no one really does. It's it's a shady area, you know. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, kudos to Malin for putting connecting these dots and and doing the digging and all of the research on this. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: And we'll follow this through. Um, Maybe Show Me Canvas will have some litigation against them in the future, and I don't know, we'll follow that and let you know. Um, So there's a study that came out of Washington University's School of Medicine in St. Louis (laughs) that shows Twitter users love cannabis. They studied all... They had access to every single tweet between February 5th and March 5th of 2014. And they looked up all the ones that were relevant to cannabis. You know, they looked up hashtag marijuana, hashtag weed. And um, more than 7 million tweets within that one month period were about weed.
1: I'm sure I had several in there.
0: Oh, I'm sure I probably (laughs) did too. But... uh, they, you know, it, it's interesting. It, they say that one out of every 2,000 tweets is about cannabis, and I just think that's awesome. I think it's wonderful that people are talking about this online, you know. At least we're opening up the conversation in right. some way.
1: Well, Twitter is a really interesting platform as far as social medias go, and I was thinking about this earlier, you know. Twitter is almost like my my house or my bedroom even when I when I'm on social media, you know. I feel comfortable saying what I mean or being silly or, uh, you know, being naked even like I feel comfortable being an uncensored, unfiltered, raw version of myself. Uh, and you know, it's still all kind of like ego based and social media and 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 an alter ego, you know, a false, it's not me. I'm not defined by my Twitter profile, but out of all the social media, I feel most at home, and most able to fully express myself on Twitter, even through the limited count, versus Facebook, where uh, something might get modded or deleted, or even Instagram, you know, where they uh, the only nipple they allow is a is a child mm-hmm. breastfeeding, and um, this sort of over sexualization of the nude body, or over sexualization of female nipples versus male nipples, all these different, you know, questions and all these different. Uh, issues that are being talked about when we when we talk about social media and online uh, content those issues just kind of they're the easiest to get around on Twitter you know they're the easy mm-hmm. Twitter's Twitter's the freest speech zone I think and so that might be a huge reason why one out of two thousand tweets is on uh is about cannabis and people feel so safe on Twitter talking about cannabis you know
0: yeah um So out of all these tweets that they looked at, only 5% were anti-cannabis messages. (laughs) And the main arguments for the anti-pot tweets that they looked at were that pot users are unproductive losers and that cannabis use is unattractive. Which, if you follow me on Twitter, you know, it just isn't true.
1: That is not (laughs) true. Neither of those are true. Uh, Yeah, and we're we're proud to be Living Testament against all of that nonsense, you know? Right. You can't just put anything in a box, and you can't. Uh, pretend to control uh, society with this top-down uh, legislation with saying you know this thing is banned for everyone it just doesn't it just doesn't work you mm-hmm. know uh, the people running around defending the last uh, the last precious years of prohibition are you know screaming that the sky will fall and that everyone will start using weed. everyone is already using weed. everyone is already out there smoking weed who wants to wants the yeah. to there's no one. Right now, who really wants to try weed who can't get to it, you know? Right. It's easy. It's everywhere. And, uh, you know, the game is up. Like, we can't hide. We can't, you can't put it back into Pandora's box, you know? What you can say is, let's not keep feeding these drug cartels all of this profit money. and Let's not keep all this money going to criminal enterprises. Let's open it up for legitimate business to come in do best practices, card for minors, all of these things, you know, let's set it up in a way where my product is regulated and I know what's in it, where I, where it's labeled and I can look at it and say, oh yeah, this is a high THC uh, strain. This is this strain. This is that strain. This is when it was picked on. I know it's got no mold in the mold count, you know? Uh, these are things that you have no idea, even if it contains another drug, you know, you don't know if your weed is even real or fake, you know, on the black market, you have to take your chances. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the so the arguments for legalization notwithstanding, uh, the Jefferson City News Tribune today just published an op-ed uh, entitled, Our Opinion, Recreational Marijuana Points in Wrong Direction. And they... Uh, in it are just, it's so patronizing. The, the final arguments against uh, the legalization of, of the market is so incredible to me, personally. It's just, a, it's like a bunch of old men trying to be your dad, you know, across the state, where it's like, uh, maybe, maybe I know what's better for me than some dude at a newspaper in Jefferson City. Just maybe, I know what's better for my own life. These guys are trying to, their question that they open up with is, to supporters of recreational marijuana use, we pose this question. What is so unsatisfying or unfulfilling about your life that you feel a need to get high? As if that's the only reason that you would ever use cannabis, as if you're just at (laughs) rock bottom. No, I use it for a number of reasons, you know, but mostly just to relax and just relieve my stress so that I can participate, you know. And so that I can, um, you know, deal with, uh, the hustle and bustle and the high expectations that I've put, you know, on myself and that I've, you know, promised others, uh, you know, cannabis is a real helper and a real social thing. You know, it's not like I'm sitting alone at home and not going, uh, to, and I'm not doing any work or anything, you know, right. I'm out there in the community, uh, both of us, you know, participating, working, um, uh, and to To just throw everyone under the bus with this statement is just so despicable, and uh, you kind of get the, the the tone of the piece with the closing too. Uh, they they close with this beautiful gem. We prefer a course correction. We believe the healthier, more responsible direction is to approach life with a clear mind, a kind heart, and an industrious outlook. Jeez. Like what are you talking about? And in it, they nod about uh, the alcohol prohibition failed. Um, but they kind of almost hint that that it should have gone through, you know, that almost that it would be worth it to prohibit. The reason the alcohol prohibition failed was it it can't, it's impossible. It's an impossible task that they tried to achieve, just like the war on drugs is to eradicate the use of drugs, or even to, uh, as they like to say nowadays, uh, curb the suppl- uh curb the demand for drugs. Curb the demand. Curb the demand. You know, you can curb the demand just. You, you can't curb the demand by arresting people you know, who want it. That, that only uh, just fuels the flames. You know? mm-hmm. it, it, it doesn't solve it, anything. It just costs money, and then you're spending and spending and spending and incarcerating at record rates, and where, where's it gotten us? You know, it, it's gotten us to here right now. So um, take a look at that. Make a comment on, on the News Tribune's piece and tell them how you really feel about uh, uh, their little patronizing piece there. Um, Newstribune.com is their website.
0: Yeah, it is worth noting also that the Smith-Munt Act was repealed. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast before, but it does bear repeating. Um, the Smith-Munt Act prevented the government from releasing propaganda. And so with its repeal, the government is now openly allowed to send us propaganda and lie to us.
1: Right. Uh, there's, you know, many ways that... It's government could have probably gotten around the smithmont act uh while it was in place but now there's nothing to get around you know there's nothing legally barring them from putting out any kind of propaganda piece so make no mistake that uh things will change because of that you know that uh we'll probably we've probably unnoticeably already seen an uptick of propaganda right put out into the news every day
0: oh so what's going on with tobacco 21 spence
1: well,, uh, as we talked about last time, uh, we didn't have quite the number of signatures needed for the, for the referendum petitions. And there was a number of hassles with that. Obviously, the m- number one being you know, the two weeks that they get, that we had to collect were uh, the week of Christmas and the week of New Year's. And hardly any was in, hardly anyone was in town. There was very few students in town. Uh, it was nearly impossible to collect signatures, but we did what we could. Uh, And we just, you know, we weren't going to come up with 3,000 signatures over those two weeks. So we went back to the drawing board. We uh, rewrote the initiative. uh, We rewrote the petition, rather, as an initiative. And uh, we will introduce uh, legislation to uh, restore the legal adult age as defined in the city ordinance to 18. Um, We think it's ridiculous that there's this arbitrary uh, raising of the age. Uh, when an adult turns 18 they become an adult you know when a chi- when a child turns 18 they become an adult that's the line that we've picked now you know that's when you go leave your home traditionally that's when you're out of high school that's when you legally become an adult now there's no reason to try and alter that through just these silly these, these silly extra laws and uh, the, all the excuses the city council used for their, Uh, reasons for adopting this Uh, the number one was to like we talked earlier they wanted to disrupt the supply chain they wanted to you know lower the demand for youth smoking you know and uh, i'm i'm interested to see anything that comes of this but they didn't they didn't affect anyone's smoking habits who can just drive an extra two minutes and get outside the city limits and buy some cigarettes you know uh, it doesn't change anything. The The only thing it changes is it hurts local businesses. Mm-hmm. It's like we've been saying the whole time. you know. It, uh, local businesses are not allowed to sell it. It doesn't stop anyone from getting it somewhere else. And so all you've done is taken away opportunity for business owners inside your own city. It's a huge disservice that the city council has done to its own business owners. And uh, so we will shortly have that uh, uh, initiative petition ready to go, and we'll start collecting on that. And of course, we will widely publicize uh, all of that uh, once it finally drops and we get the approval.
0: And uh, Haley Stoles at the Maneater wrote a really good article on Tobacco 21 the other day that we have added to our In the News page and will be in the show notes for today's episode. So thanks, Haley. Great job.
1: Yeah, it was great. I liked the Maneater's coverage because, uh, you know, I kind of talked to her on the phone in a phone interview and... I told her pretty much the same thing I've been telling all the journalists that I've talked to you so far, but they seem to cover most of the story. You know, they seem to, uh, when you, when you talk to most establishment journalists who are all J school trained and have their stamp of approval, when they interview you, they just pick out, you know, one little soundbite. They pick out like the tiniest thing you said, and it might not be related to what you're trying to tell them. You know, it might not be what you think was the most important point. They're just going to pick out one little sentence. Um, but with the Maneater article, you know, she really got several points that I was making uh, into the article. And she kind of told the whole story, which I'd like to see more of, and especially with journalism school students. You know, it seems like uh, in the Maneater, you have the freedom to actually write and do the story and do the interview all yourself and be able to publish it. And then once you go off to the Missourian, it's all super edited and all watered down and washed out and all the best ideas are you know, thrown out because they're not family-friendly or they're this or they're that, Uh, and they want to just portray a certain image. And so they've trained, instead of training journalists to be inquisitive and to tell the truth and to get to a story, uh, they've sort of trained them to just be an echo chamber for the special interests and for the already powerful, you know, just an echo chamber for power that already exists. Uh, just a copy and paste of a press release that yeah, comes through
0: it's very press release driven um, and it, a lot of it's due to the instantaneousness of the internet and just wanting to be first at everything you know wanting to break the story um, what better way than to you know you get the press release boom there you go there's your story <laughs> that's what they want to think
1: right so, so yeah uh, that kind of covers what we wanted to talk about today unless you had something else to add
0: Um, Uh, no, um, Show Me Cannabis raised $8,000 in their money bomb this week. That was really awesome. Thank you for anyone that donated to that. I know that we were tweeting about it a lot Mm -hmm. and, uh, Facebooking it, so.
1: My mom sent in a donation, actually.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's really awesome.
1: So, uh, thanks, Mom, for, uh, contributing. Uh, that, uh, donation, if you, if you missed out on the donation, there's still a way to contribute to Show Me Cannabis, so, uh. If you go to the Show Me Cannabis website, you can put in your contribution there. I know some of you didn't get a chance to see the money bomb in time, but uh, don't worry if there's always time. There's always time to uh, send a no- donation to Show Me Cannabis, and we definitely need your support because uh, it's not only these signatures that we're going to have to gather. It's also these billboards, uh, this Free Jeff Mazanski campaign. Uh, it's it's uh, showing up to Jeff City to lobby for uh, legislation that could pass in the House and in the in the Senate. It's all of these things at the same time. It's keeping these drug task forces uh, accountable for you know, uh, and making sure they're obeying the law. There's a lot of things that need to be done in the state in the next two years, and it's going to take a lot of money. So, um, the best thing that you can do for the movement would be to sign up for a recurring donation. Something very small, you know, even five or ten bucks. Something like a Netflix subscription that you don't even miss. That comes out automatically every month. Uh, would you know if we got a few hundred of those across the state, that would be a tremendous boost to our ability to act and uh, um, bring you legalization. You know, you think of it as an investment, an investment in your future, an investment in a future where you're not threatened with an arrest uh, just for waking up and smoking a bowl. You're not threatened uh, with, you know, parents. You're not threatened with uh, child services coming in and yanking your kids away because you, uh, choose to use a s- substance that's never killed anybody. That's far safer than alcohol or, uh, any of these pharmaceuticals that we have. So, um, you know, I can't stress that enough, how important it is to contribute and to, uh, get on board there. So, uh, showmecannabis.com is the website
0: and if you like the work that's going on here at bowl after bowl, please remember to donate to us as well. Uh, you know, we aren't getting paid to do this. This is on our own accord. Um, we accept altcoin donations and, you know, you can send this stuff through PayPal too, if you want, but
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, please
0: support us, uh, so we can continue doing what we're doing.
1: <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, we want to thank you guys for tuning in and for listening. Uh, be sure to check out our next few episodes. Uh, upcoming things that we're doing include you know the cannabis cup uh we also have a uh legislation day that we're going to go to jeff city and do like a lobbying day so we'll be doing a whole podcast on that and uh, that might be really interesting for some listeners who have never lobbied before uh it's really easy to go down to jeff city and just see a representative and tell them you know get one-on-one tell them how you feel about uh cannabis and you know the more they hear from you the less that they can ignore it the less than everyone can ignore it the press the politicians the cops everyone you know we just need to uh, let our voice be heard uh, we can sit in our living rooms and we can bitch about the laws as they stand or we can get up and we can go to the capitol we can go to the governor in the governor's mansion we can go to these places and hold these events and say you know this is it's just say now, now is when we want to legalize, you know right we can't We can't do this prohibition thing anymore.
0: Yeah. it's time for them to stop ignoring us. So anyways, thanks for tuning in, and uh, may your bulls burn ever brighter.